When it's all said and done. When the pads are all packed up. The refs have packed away the whistles. And the parking lots are empty. One show with three obsessive fans still want to have their say. And because this is Triple M, and because we really don't give a rat, we say, why the hell not? Rugby lose. Please welcome A.H., Chris and Rose. We are in for something special tonight. This is the back row. Footy from the cheap seats on Triple M. <laughs> this just in. It's two days to Christmas. Yay. Very appropriate intro there. They couldn't be bothered shelling out for a, a morning appropriate non-rugby league. <laughs> well, we're still a rugby league show in essence. It often says that rugby league is the gift that keeps on giving, but recently we've been giving things back to rugby league. Hmm. Gladys Berejiklian has given $50 million to seven NRL clubs for centres of excellence, whatever hmm. the hell that is. <laughs> All Angus, in paperbacks. Angus Crichton apparently is giving the top of his middle figure. Yeah, he's truly rugby giving league. the to league. And all Triple M has given back to rugby league is us. You are on the back row with AH, Chris and Rose. It is two days to Christmas. AH, are you a traditional, you know, with all the trimmings or are you more an Aussie seafood barbecue family? Yeah, look, my family, because it's so hot, like we definitely went to the prawns. But so this year for the second year in a row, in a row we're doing it at my brother's house because his uh, partner, so their family can come too. We can all be there. My brother's vegan. So it's like a classic sort of like vegan roast kind of thing. And I've got to tell you, it was actually fantastic. It was so good, but we brought the prawns as well. <laughs> At least there's a balance there. Rose, you a stocking man or a tree man when you wake up on Christmas morning? Chris Gale, I am 100% a stocking guy. The stocking was a big part of my childhood Christmas. <laughs> I, I always suspected that about you. Yes. <laughs> we, we had the stockings on the awning, my sister and I, and there was Constance in the stocking every year. You needed the uh, chocolate gold coins in the bag, mm, and yeah. you needed a mango. That was the two constants every year. <laughs> Mango's mango. Mango is a Christmas fruit. I, I, I thought there was like some sort of Christmas fairy called Constance in your <laughs> Yeah, bag. I thought so too, in your stockings. Coming, coming up on this morning's show, what is your last-minute Christmas shopping strategy? I know we're all in panic mode. <laughs> we get to talk about the Twitter-slash-podcast-slash-novel phenomenon, The Great Cricketer. We ask, what's the deal with those O-bikes being left as Christmas presents all over Sydney right now? And we get to talk to Triple M's very own skull, Kerry O'Keefe. You're on the back road, Triple M. <laughs> Good point. Must have like some multi-vocals. <laughs> That's uh, Aerosmith's loving an elevator. Always makes me wonder if it's better probably than loving an escalator. That's be a true. Bit That's true. You have to be Public. very quick, though, You're on Triple how M's. the building is. Sorry, sorry. Don't be, don't be sorry. <laughs> You're on Triple M's, the back row with H, Chris and Rose, and it's our Christmas cracker special. Now, Triple M is rocking the Ashes this season, calling every ball of the Ashes series already Australia 3-0 up. Winners. Mm. The urn has returned, as Chicken they say. Dinner. But, of course, the other piece of cricket fare that's on your diet at the moment is the Big Bash. And I think it's fair to say mm. that Sydney is Big Bash crazy right now, don't you think, guys? It is. It's back again. I mean, it's, it's been quite a phenomenon, the Big Bash League. It's, it's, I think it's introduced cricket to a lot of people that... Uh, don't necessarily have the patience uh, or the investment in a, in a test match to get involved in cricket. And, and you know, the shorter game in uh, you know encourages a different kind of play that's quite exciting for a lot of people. Yeah, totally. And I think one great thing about it is it kind of like proved the naysayers wrong, even though the naysayers had their hearts in the right place and sort of genuinely because, you know, the whole rhetoric was that it was like the, you know, the, the TV's going to rot your brain's version of cricket, right, uh, that right. it was going to like cheapen it, that it was going to shorten attention spans, you know, you'll, your eyes will turn square and you'll grow hair on your hands kind of <laughs> kind of thing but about cricket uh, and also that it like you mentioned Rose that it would sort of uh, affect 
the way uh, it was played, but actually like the sort of like preference towards uh, spin bowling and that kind of thing, I think is it, like, it's really great for the game. And, and like mentioned, you know, it, it encourages kids to get into it early and mm. it's great. It's interesting. All those Who things doesn't you, love a big bash. Exactly. All those things you're describing actually apply to me, but I thought it was just because I was getting older. <laughs> Look, we went through this 40 years ago with one day cricket. They called it pajama cricket. I yeah, don't, I don't yeah. know whether they're calling big bash budgie smugglers cricket or whatever, but <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> uh, last night, the Adelaide strikers had a first up win over uh, Unfortunately, the Sydney Thunder, who mm. kind of crumbled at the back end of their run chase, where in the women's game, the Melbourne Renegades prevailed over the heat and the Renegades are sitting on the edge of the top four. They're about four rounds in mm. in the women's Big Bash. Today, uh, we've got a double header down at Eddie Had with the Melbourne Renegade taking on the heat, both men and women's. And here in our very own, the G, the Sydney cricket ground, <laughs> the, G. the Sydney Sixers take on the Hurricanes in the women's Big Bash and the Scorchers in the men's Big Bash. This is a phenomenon. Mm. That's on, that one's on the 28th. Isn't it? No, no, I think it's today. I think they're playing today. Oh, right, the 28th I'm going, and I'm very excited. It's my first match. No, you can pop out there to the SGD this afternoon, AH, and get all the cricket that you need. Hopefully the hair won't be growing on the back of your hand. (laughs) On the the front. To me, this is a phenomenon. It's like binge TV. It's on for six weeks. It's like a mini-series. It's on when you get home from the beach or if you've been out shopping. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's just a great way to get some excitement and sport into your life but not make the commitment that the cricket and the Ashes requires. <laughs> yeah. Though we really want you to commit to the Triple M ball-by-ball coverage in the Ashes. It's a cricket fling. But, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not completely over the line with the Big Bash because I think they've really hurt the mascots issue. What do you mean? Well, we're a rugby league show where, mm. you know, our roots are all, you know, you're the Bulldogs, Rose, mm, yes. AH, you're the Dragon slash Steelers, I'm the Tigers. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sporting mascots are traditionally animals. Now, rugby league, of course, started to evolve, and I don't think it was a good idea. Suddenly, they were sort of categories of things or humans like raiders and warriors. Cowboys. Titans. The storm is the problem. You know, again, Melbourne ruining our game, despite winning a premiership in rather (laughs) impressive style a couple of months ago. In the BBL, it's concepts. It's, you know, it's striking and it's the heat versus the scorches. It, it makes me think of like a 14-year-old's first band in year nine. They're like, yeah, we're called the scorches or like, <laughs> like starting their own team kind of thing. We're the heat. I love having a discussion. <laughs> Would a tiger be the shark? That is a valid discussion. <laughs> I fear for the youth of Australia who have to go into the playground and go, my heat beats your scorches. <laughs> You're on Trevor Williams the back row. We'll be back shortly. You're on Triple M's The Back Row with AH, Chris and Rose, and it's something like 39 hours to Christmas, guys. It's really the final countdown. <laughs> That's uh, ages. The stores are open till midnight. The fish, marks are open at, fish markets are open at dawn, and I've got an ongoing relationship with my local 7-Eleven. <laughs> we are in panic mode in terms of Christmas shopping. Now, the Telegraph this morning says Jingle Tills. There's a $50 billion splurge going on. Yeah. The most popular items. Go on. Colourful printed swim shorts. Really? <laughs> and novelty socks. It doesn't speak much Ugh. to the creativity of Australians. AH, what do you do in this very, very pressured time of year where you haven't got your Christmas shopping completely under control? Um, well, look, mine sort of almost is under control because I'm poor. And so there's a don't <laughs> oh, worry, don't worry about go. buying That's, us gifts thing. I like thing. that. Yeah. Being poor, you just don't have to worry about yeah. any of the responsibility. So, uh, so are you, or like, you know, maybe if I like had a tiny debt from my parents, they're like, you only have to pay back half or whatever. <laughs> but uh, I'm talking about a tiny debt. Merry but anyway, Christmas. so I, uh, <laughs> I uh, was like a, up until recently a full-time freelancer. And then I went through a period of 
about eight months of just underemployment, couldn't, couldn't, the work just sort of suddenly dropped off and I managed to get into about 20 grand's worth of debt in that period, paying my rent and that kind of thing. And um, yeah, so now that I have a six-year personal loan with a footy sponsor, Pepper Money, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I don't, although I did tell my uh, sister-in-law, she was like, oh, could you get me a nice plant? And I was, I had it all planned, got my days mixed up, didn't get to the nursery in time and I don't know how I'm going to. So Rhiannon, I'm so sorry if you're listening, I didn't get it. So essentially you make your own Christmas cards and you write this explanation on the card and hand it out to everyone. Oh, stuff cards. Plus, plus, plus pamphlets about the merits of crowdfunding. <laughs> Rose? I can't afford paper. <laughs> What's your deal when it comes to the last-minute Christmas shopping? Well, Chris, when you say there's 39 hours to Christmas, I say that's a lifetime because we are the kings, my partner and I, at doing the last-minute shop. Oh, okay. you and Zoe? You good yes, at it? we always have the discussion at the beginning of December, should we be responsible and get the presents now? And then it usually drifts off into another conversation rather quickly. <laughs> so we never get it done. We've actually legitimately once done it on Christmas Eve. Uh, I think we actually, uh, we might have even gotten a present once Christmas, uh, Boxing Day morning. We were going to meet with the family on Boxing Day. Did you get a TARDIS mm. or something to go back in time? <laughs> There's a Toys R Us near us. It's, it's oh, quite easy. You get it in the Boxing Day sales as well. Yeah, so. you, you get it cheap. So we'll, we once got it Boxing Day morning and stood in a car park near my, uh, near my house and wrapped presents on the bonnet of our car. <laughs> Before driv- driving to Barrel to give the presents. So, what's the the worst or craziest gift you've ever given? The wor- the worst gift? Oh, look, I'm I'm a pretty bad at giving the vouchers because oh, I right, don't yeah. know how to mm. buy presents for people. That's, so I give that's, them vouchers. that's in the same category as novelty socks and colourful swim shorts. Anything that you're a little ashamed of, Age? <laughs> my pa- apart from what you just described. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, maybe my worst gift is uh, my. Oh, actually, that's a gift that I've received. Sending my parents your slightly cutting off a little bit of a debt. So, look, why don't what we about, find out what the listeners... I mean, what about you, Chris? You can't get away with this, Chris. What, what's the worst present Chris you've ever said? Kendall I'm, Gale. Okay, signed autographed pictures of myself. <laughs> I still cherish it to this day. So, having one. now been forced to reveal that, why don't we see what the listeners uh, regard as the worst or craziest Christmas gift that they've ever given? One triple three five three. give us a call. You're on the back row, Triple M. It's Triple M's The Backs Row Christmas Cracker Special with AH, Chris and Rose. And we're in the Christmas spirit, oh, as you can go. hear. Yes. And we're talking Christmas gifts. What's the worst gift you've ever given or, I guess, received? And we've got Brenton from Rockdale on the line. How are you, mate? Good, mate. How are you? Very, very well, given that we're completely panicking about what we haven't bought for all our friends and family. What's <laughs> the worst? Imagine. Yeah, what's the worst gift you've ever received? Uh, the worst gift I've ever received was a pooper scooper when I didn't even own a dog. <laughs> <laughs> was that a uh, was that like a Kris Kringle or no? Or that they was put their name to it. Being uh, quite rude to me. <laughs> <laughs> and were they suggesting that perhaps it was for your own output, maybe uh, like vocally or? Absolutely, my own mm. output that comes out of my mouth. I, I think that's a great present, Brent, and I can already think of five things I could do with a pooper scoop and not owning a pet, so I think that's a pretty good present. <laughs> I, I can too, but they all involve cooking, which just doesn't seem <laughs> like a good... And, and what did you do? Did you did you Were you inspired to buy a dog, or did you sort of mount it on Lucite and put it on your mantelpiece? Well, I, I thought to myself, I better make good use of it, so I went and bought two dogs. Oh, there you go. Oh. There you go. This, is, this is subliminal marketing by the pet industry, I think. What an investment just to make a pooper scooper valuable. I love it. But Brenton, can I ask you, were those dogs just for Christmas? Um, no, I actually went for a birthday present for my fiancé. Nice. Oh, oh lovely. Nice. And so, so they're, they're still I, around? I, I got, 
Yeah, they're still around. Oh, I got the business to but I ended up giving it to her anyway to clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> Do the work, women. It's it's the Christmas gifts that build relationships, Brenton. Thanks oh, very much. Absolutely. No worries, mate. Have, Have a great Christmas. Christmas. Merry Christmas, anyway. Brenton. Cheers. Thanks, buddy. Bye. You're on Triple M's The Back Row. Welcome back to Triple M's The Back Row with AH, Chris and Rose. It's our Christmas special. Mm. AH has gone out to hang some decorations on the tree, Rose. You know why? (laughs) Why? Because we've got some cricketers in the studio and on the line, Ah. and she says she's not prepared to talk to anyone who hasn't represented at an elite level. Right, that makes sense. And if there's one thing I'm absolutely certain about, it's that the great cricketer, where you get three for the price of one, have never represented at the elite level. That's true. Shall we introduce them, and then we'll talk about who they are, what they do, why they're here... I have in the studio to my immediate right, Ian Higgins. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well. Very well indeed. Dave Edwards, how are you doing? Chris, well. Rose, I'm very well. You guys look great for this early in the morning. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, it's the yeah. foundation that I'm wearing. I haven't been home yet. Triple, triple shot lattes <laughs> all around have done really well. Uh, surely, Sam, you're not going to make it three out of three. Where are you and how are you? Sam Perry. Uh, g'day, Chris. G'day, Rose. Yeah, I'm in... Um, I'm in London, and I certainly don't look good. I haven't seen sun for weeks. So, um, uh, so he looks like ne- me. Nevertheless, we'll, we'll plough on. It's, it's really <laughs> nice of you to stay up so late if I think I'm getting my timing right. Yeah. Now, the three of you yeah, correct, are the yeah. great cricketer, correct? Correct. I, Accurate. Uh, yeah. Now, the great cricketer began maybe two, three years ago as a Twitter feed. Am I right in suggesting mm. that? Or it's probably closer to five years, Is actually, that right? which is frightening. Wow. Uh, flies, that huh? We've been tweeting things for five years mm. about cricket. Right. Mm. Yeah, uh, probably 2012, 13, I'd say. Right. So I hear, uh, well, I've got a tweet in front of me that says, remember, if you play a higher grade than someone, you're a better person than them. <laughs> that seems to be your philosophy. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about the great cricketer and what's behind it and how it began as a Twitter feed. Mm. Um, well, I think, yeah, I think Dave's right. It has been that long, which is startling. But um, that tweet basically sums the whole thing up. And that political uh, sport, uh, cricket rather, is a very political yeah. game more so than any other because you have these like long stretches where you're on the field alone with, within your own thoughts and you just keep thinking about how others' actions affect yours because you can be very successful in cricket, especially grade cricket, amateur cricket around the country, by being very poor at the sport, but you can succeed if others fail. So it's really it's a zero, it's a zero sum game. Sounds a lot like radio, Chris. Yeah, very much. So. <laughs> That's how we got here. Constantly death writing. You, you're actually not looking well. You should probably take some time off, mate. I'll cover for you. It'll be <laughs> yeah, no worries. It'll be fine. Uh, and it's, it's great to hear that you were um, trundling along in relative obscurity for about three years because it's gone a bit stratospheric over the last couple of years. You've published a couple of books. Uh, the new one is out, which is called Tea and No Sympathy. I just want to say a bit of a hello there to Bill Woods, uh, who was on your channel, Fox Sports, where you guys have right. the Great Cricketer yes. podcast, yes. and uh, and Bill and Boz were doing a little bit of introduction, and they just he kept missing the no, didn't he? It's not actually the first time that's happened. Yeah, that's right. I was lucky enough to go on the show and speak to um, cricket fanatic Mark Bosnich and Bill Woods, and uh, and that's not fair, but also true. And and they kept saying T and Sympathy, which is the name of a wonderful Bird of Fanning, Fanning album. But um, Fernand Banning in this Fer- room. Fernand Banning. Um, and actually, actually a 1950s yeah. movie about a man who's trying to find himself. So that's actually where the, the derivation or the genesis of the T and no sympathy play on words comes from. Right. It's the man trying to find himself in 1950. So why don't we turn to the second book, which is called Tea and No Sympathy. Can, by the way, can you buy it anywhere? Is, I mean, is it available at any outlet? What's the deal? Yeah, <laughs> any, all, the, all the bookstores, yeah. some bad ones as well. Uh, right, um, yeah. BW, Dimmix, the classics, right. online, booktobia.com.au. Uh, readings, our publisher, uh, Alan and Unwin, nice. all, all the greats. Lovely. Someone gives me a call, I'll send them a copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come yeah. Along around. But 
I really, really enjoyed the second book because I thought that the first book established the character, the great cricketer, and, of course, all the other people in the book, the likes of the, the Nugsies and mm. the Laras and all the people that make up the great cricketer's life. Yeah. What's the premise for the second book? How did you squeeze more juice out of what I thought would have been a lemon? That had seen <laughs> well, we thought that ourselves, and then we uh, we got together at the start of 2017 and says, do we go around again? The classic grey cricket question, do we go around again for another season? And we thought we've got to give it, we owe it to ourselves, and we thought we had more juice in the tank, as you say. Um, so basically the first book, as you mentioned earlier, was a bit of a faux autobiography in that we had to establish the grey cricketer. We had to establish these characters that you mentioned. Um, and kind of tell the story of his failure to make it as a cricketer in the amateur circles. He always mm-hmm. wanted to be a test cricketer, never quite made it. And in the end of the first book, he was kind of nudging 30, not really going anywhere, both on and off the field. So he picked the uh, second book up, I guess, a couple of years down the track. Mm. He's still playing cricket, and it, uh, it picks up, and he's in a third-grade grand final. Mm. Um, this is the ultimate thing for him. You know, he's never won a premiership. Uh, this this could be everything for him, but uh, I guess he is he's uh, given an offer from a trusted teammate, mm. um, which is uh, cusping on a topical issue in match fixing. He's he's uh, mm. I guess Alfred, <laughs> if you will, to uh, fix a third grade encounter, <laughs> and that um, I guess that makes him question everything about cricket and his friendship circles that he's in, and he suddenly sees himself in a different light. He sees cricket in a different light, and he actually leaves the game that he loves so much for a wow. while. And the rest of the story is real about him reconciling that incident and also his own relationship with cricket and um, things like his relationship with his own partner, uh, his friendship circles, his career. It's all in there. It's all about Australian males trying to grow up and failing. It, obviously self-reflective, <laughs> self-reflective of the three of you. Yeah. The Australian dream. There's one section of the book that I think absolutely kills and that's the father-son cricket match. Mm. So one of the tweets that you had was uh, from the, the Twitter feed, was Dad's been putting gaffer tape on a tennis ball since August <laughs> and has an arsenal of decent sledges. Mm. I am not looking forward to Christmas. <laughs> you yeah. seem to tap into the essence in the book of what fathers yeah. and sons mean to each other, don't you? Absolutely, Chris. I mean, the, the father-son match is, is a thing that happens in reality. I mean, mm. I, in my own young career as a, in year six at school, I came into a father-son match and my dad actually bowled me first ball. Um, and really? he, didn't, he didn't celebrate wildly like in the book, mm. but um, emotionally, internally, he was elated. Mm. I thought and then, you couldn't get out first ball. Well, that's what I tried to tell Dad, and then all the other fathers also tried to tell him. Yep. And then he said, no, pack your bags, mate. That's get in that car. Bullshit. Tell your story. Take the train walking. down the North Shore back home. You're off. Go. <laughs> Don't come back. He's got to learn. <laughs> 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 if I could quote you guys one more time, I could chat to a 79-year-old umpire for a week and a half about the front foot no ball rule, but I have no idea how to talk to a woman. Uh, Rose and I are in that category, but we've really enjoyed the opportunity to have a chat with the great cricketer, Ian, Dave, Sam. It's been an absolute pleasure. Good luck with the book. Good luck with all your cricketing aspirations and forays. And may we live in a world where we go 5 0 in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks, Thanks. guys. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. See you, Sam. Thank you. See Cheers. You guys. Thanks, champ. On Triple M, this is the back row. Don Henley's Boys oh, of Summer. So good. Talk about your summer anthems. Yeah. Hey? You're on the back row, Triple M, with AH Chris and Rose. Now, Paul McCartney, sorry, Sir Paul McCartney, <laughs> was in town recently, and I was lucky enough to go 40 songs in three hours. Didn't play any Beatles songs, but oh, there you go. Disappointing. I could do 40 songs in it, three hours, whatever. It's often said that Sir George Martin was the fifth Beatle. Well, our producer, Felix 1X, is definitely the fourth back rower. Mm. And he's also, you would have thought, a boy, a boy of summer, but you got caught on the hop 
recently, yeah, didn't you, Felix? It's quite interesting looking at your skin tone at the moment. You're um, gradiating well with the Triple M logo. Yeah, I done messed up. You done messed what up. Done messed up. What have you done, Felix? I uh, <laughs> went outside for the first time in a very long time and went to went to Coogee Beach. Big mistake. Never go outside, Felix. The sun will get ya. Wise words, Rose. But I've gone out there for maybe maybe an hour out on Coogee Beach. I thought. I don't need sunscreen. Mm. Everything's oh, fine. You idiot. Everything's you fine. Idiot. And I, I felt fine. I thought I'd have a sneaky nap afterwards, but uh, what in the sun? Not not in the sun. Right. I went, oh, okay. Went home. In had a, a nap. tanning bed. <laughs> <laughs> Woke up from my That's nap. That's also in the sun. Yeah. Woke up from my nap. I'm blood red. Mm. And this is four days later, and I'm still red as a tomato. Yeah. Redder than your jacket. Yeah, yeah, it's a sick we, jacket. We, hey, had... Adidas got it in Japan. Whatever. <laughs> we've had to crank the air conditioning here because Helix is uh, Helix. <laughs> Felix is heating up the studio on his own. There's about a hundred and. $50 million per year committed by the federal government to sun-safe campaigns, Felix. Yeah. Why aren't you listening? Look, I'm too busy working to listen to advertisements. Well, that explains it. I, look, I can relate, Felix. I'm quite a pale person myself, mm. being from a Scottish family. We don't do Me well too. in the sun. I- oh. Irish. And uh, uh, I remember when I was a kid in year six, we had a guy come to the school, the primary school, and give a sun-safe talk. He got up on stage and told all the kids about sun safety uh, and he got a couple kids up uh, as examples of like, all right, if you look like this, you're the least susceptible to the sun. Mm. So and what kind of? It was like it was like a it was like a dark skinned kid. He got up on stage and said, if you look like this, you're, you're least susceptible Ooh. to the sun. That's yeah. a bit then, uncomfortable. And then it's <laughs> a way to. And yeah. then <laughs> they had to get someone up to say who was the most susceptible to the sun. And guess who they got up? <laughs> <laughs> so there I am, standing on stage in front of my entire school, and this guy I've never met before is pointing at me, going, "If you look like this, just never go out in the daytime." Just just become a, a recluse and stay at home and go out for an hour at night to get your milk at about midnight. That was it. I, I was shattered. I, I, was, <laughs> I was scarred for life because of that strange man I'll never meet again. And, of course, it now explains that in the encore when Sir Paul brought out the Scottish bagpipe band mm. to do Moll of Kintyre, he said, this is just for a little kid who suffered back in Sydney a couple of decades ago. Yeah, yeah. This is for you, Rose. <laughs> You're on Triple M's The Back Row. Always so good to hear Eddie Vedder on Australian commercial radio. You're on Triple M's The Back Row with AH, Chris and Rose. Guys, I was a little bit out of character last night. I was watching some television. And I know that's really generally out of my wheelhouse. Yeah, it's strange mm. for you. And on came an ad as a supporter drive for memberships next year for the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Yes. And they've got a new theme song, and I jotted down the chorus, and it goes, and I quote, Love is not a big enough word to describe you in my world. Is that a Macklemore song? I think so. It's <laughs> glorious. And I'm just wondering whether love is the concept that South fans are feeling for Boone back rower Angus Crichton, who's signed for the Sydney Roosters in 2019. But A.H. Angus is giving something a little bit more than just his signature on a contract at the moment, isn't yes. he? Yes. Well, he's actually, he's currently with the uh, Rabbitohs and, and is moving on. Um, he's literally giving rugby league the finger. <laughs> now, Excuse it's me? not that he's, uh, you know, come out and, uh, well, only with its consent, but uh, it's not that he's come out and he's, you know, buggering off or anything like that. He um, So repeated injuries have rooted his middle finger during the, the under-20s comp, middle finger on his left hand. And so he's always flipping the bird, first and foremost, um, in order to play because it's such a hindrance. Like he basically doesn't have a knuckle there anymore, can't bend it. He's had it chopped off. 
right. partially chopped off. Bodily, so he can play footy? So he can play footy. A bodily commitment for the job. <laughs> bodily commitment. That is, like, that's quite a deposit, isn't it? And I, that is hectic. I mean, look, it's worth it for the, you know, the income, the glory, all that kind of thing, having a great career. But, like, imagine if you did that but and what? you got a career-ending injury in the first game or something like so that. So the finger's just, it, it, it's hurting him too much all the time, so he's just like, get rid of it and I'll never have to worry about it again? I don't know if it's a, if it's a pain thing. There may right. be pain associated with it, but, but it's basically there's just no knuckle anymore, so he can't bend it, so I think that makes wow. it more... Uh, vulnerable, uh, right. but also like, you know, catching balls and all, and all that kind of thing. I mean, imagine if your finger's sticking out and someone goes in for a tackle, like it just get bent backwards. Yeah, you're right. Just cut all the fingers off. Just get Avoid rid of all them. the trouble. Just get rid of them. Who needs them? Well, essentially, again, it just shows the modern professionalism because going back in time, I mean, if you ever see Brian Fletcher on the Matty John show, he often shows his hands and his fingers are like a roadmap, you know, over yeah. a country in New South Wales. They, don't, <laughs> they certainly don't go straight. And uh, Ian, heels, heels, you know, bald, shame. Bald. Wicket keepers suffer a tremendous oh, totally. amount of pounding on their hands against, you know, ca- <laughs> ca- catching the fast bowling, should I say. Mm, mm. And uh, I've never seen this level of commitment until a couple of AFL players did it recently. So it seems to be a modern phenomenon. What body part would you guys be prepared to sacrifice to play <laughs> rugby league at an elite level? One triple three five three. If you had to get rid of something, what would it be? I, look, I, I can kind of relate to him. I'd lose a finger to become WWE heavyweight champion. So, oh, yeah. I, you know, if you really want it bad enough, I'd do it for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, look, I love and respect myself. Nothing's going. <laughs> well, love Chris, every inch of it. Well, I think that uh, what can be guaranteed, if you go out and see South play next year with Angus running around for one more year before he goes to the accursed Roosters. Oh, has so, that been confirmed that it's the Roosters? Oh, oh yes, he's, he's signed for the Roosters in 2019, mm. but will be playing according to new coach Anthony Seabold for South in first grade, not an obscurity, next season. But he's given the finger, and I'm sure the South crowd at the end of the season will give him the finger back. <laughs> You're on the triple in the back row. On Triple M, when it's all said and done, when the pads are all packed up, the refs have packed away the whistles... And the parking lots are empty. One show with three obsessive fans still want to have their say. And because this is Triple M, and because we really don't give a rat, we say, why the hell not? Rugby lose. Please welcome A.H., Chris and Rose. We are in for something special tonight. This is the back row. Footy from the cheap seats on Triple M. Don't you love it when, uh... You're doing a post-league morning show and you get rugby league. We're in for something special tonight. I love the uh, dedication the station has to updating our uh, our assets. But loving this time slot, though. We are Triple M's <laughs> Christmas cricket cracker nonetheless. Now, we put out as a joke that uh, what body part might you give to represent an elite level? And we got a caller. Oh, hi, boys. Um, yeah, look, I would have given boys. my left mad to play for the Wallaby. <laughs> 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 Me too, as one of the boys. That seems to be a cruel and unusual punishment, not what you're giving up, but the fact that you have to play rugby union. Am I, am I wrong in saying that, Andrew? Well, you are very wrong in saying that, yeah. absolutely. I think it makes it easier to pack into the scrum with, with the left nut missing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and what was your impression of the Northern Tour without Izzy Folau and a couple of gum players? Do you think that Checker's got them going in the right direction next year? Well, I don't know. After they got belted by the Scots and uh, the bombs. That's right. Yeah. Don't you forget uh, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, look, he's a good coach, I reckon. Check it. So hopefully it's the cattle he's got that's the problem. And what number will be on your back next season, Andrew? 
uh, 13. Fantastic. Yeah, Outside nice. Santa. Have a great Christmas, yeah. mate. Cheers, boys. He's a brave person, isn't he, Andrew from Barrel? Yeah. And I think, mm. you know, consult your physician and maybe your psychologist as well before you do anything too extreme <laughs> yes. there. Now, boys. And also it, my agenda. I'm coming for you. I was in Barrel on Thursday, actually. It was very lovely. So I know how to get there now. <laughs> Watch yourself, It's not a mystery Andrew. any longer. Andrew will be sleeping with one eye open, I think. So it is a couple of sleeps to the biggest... There. The biggest event in the Australian cricket calendar, which, of course, is the family backyard tests on Christmas Day. Mm. It's the time where families come together in a spirit of joy and togetherness, but they're rent asunder by four o'clock in the afternoon with a discussion about whether Uncle Alf edged Cousin Judy to (laughs) Gran, who was at Bat Pad. And the other item that's jumping off the shelves this year as a result is hotspot technology. It'll be in your Christmas stocking rose and under your tree, AH. Now, in the AH world, when you're playing backyard Mm -hmm. cricket, is it six and out, or do you allow sixes to be hit all over the greater southern region of New South Wales? Look, the uh, backyard cricket was not a, uh, a tradition in my home. Wow. Whoa, hello. <coughs> Un-Australian. Full contact uh, rugby league instead. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, four fingers, one nad uh, was the rule. That was our version of the six and out. Uh, no, we tend instead to uh, sort of bat and bowl a uh, little bit of stress, as most families do. I'm taking a Valium this year. <laughs> now, Rose, I know you've got some... Uh, some young nieces and nephews, I think twins, in fact. Yes, Maddie but, and Charlotte. Right. In your backyard situation, are you hitting them like easy dollies to catch or are you going to grind out 150 over an hour and a half? No, no, no. This, <laughs> I'm going the full length. It was so it was so serious backyard cricket in our house. My father used to mow me a pitch in the backyard. He'd, he'd extra mow the pitch so you could see the line and, wow. you know, there was automatic wiki on the fence behind you, six and out, can't get out first ball. But the kids have got to learn. Can't give them a victory easy. I'm bowling bounces at their heads until mm. they learn how to hit them. Christmas is not about participation awards. <laughs> exactly. I think that is Australian. Yes. Coming up in this hour, you'll find in the cracker our interview with the marvellous Triple M Ashes caller, Kerry Skull O'Keefe. We're very, very excited Exciting. to have Kerry I'm on the so show. Excited. Very excited. I want to uh, make him laugh. Uh, a little sh- shout out here to Triple M's Anthony Maroon in my best Seinfeld boys. What's the deal with O-Bikes? <laughs> <laughs> and what is your ultimate... Boxing Day in the wake of all the family arguments at the cricket pitch in Christmas Day shenanigans. Mm. You're on Triple M's The Back Row. We'll see you soon. We are The Back Row. We are also AH Chris and Rose, and we are on Triple M 104.9. Now, there's often a lament that in this modern world we as Australians are becoming too Americanized, and we're taking on too many of the uh, aspects and attributes of American culture. But I think the one thing that we can all agree on that everybody loves is Christmas lights. Yeah, who doesn't? Uh, we were driving around, well, just wandering around suburbs last night looking at various oh, Christmas Felix. lights with this soundtrack on in our car. <laughs> and Rose, our I... Shared car. I, I believe that there's uh, a part of uh, the north of Sydney that really specialises in Christmas lights and you've got a bit of a personal connection going on. Yeah, when I think of Christmas lights in the inner city uh, area, I think of the Mossman uh, lights on that one big street there in Mossman where you go and you see all the big houses set up all their Christmas lights. There's large houses over there so you've got a lot of room to set up lights and there's a lot of roof space high for... surface area yeah and, and everyone goes and, and drives up and down the road and uh, I, I'm pleased to announce that this year the uh, two-time champions are my girlfriend's family is that right? oh. incredible Zoe's family thank you very much yes they've won the uh, anonymous voting uh, Christmas light competition for the second year a uh, second time in three years so they're 
champions. I thought you uh, were going to say anonymous entry, and it's like, well, they like they live there, so well, how it's can an it anonymous, be that anonymous voting system. They wow. actually don't know who votes on it. It's an yeah. anonymous community system. Um, I'm curious to know how scrutineered that is. Yeah, it's interesting. There's revolutions in in Christmas lights at the moment. The big thing this year is inflatable Santas. A lot yeah. of people have got inflatable Santas on their roofs and stuff. Yeah, right. uh, Daddy the, Christmas. I might just point out the winning house didn't have any inflatable things, so it's very controversial. Some people oh. embrace the inflatable. Some size, some say they're tacky. But so that's, I think the voting process, there would be kickbacks because we are talking Mossman. Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Third-party agreements can, for those homeowners. Can you give her a flavour of some of the elements that stood out in the winning entry? I'm assuming you're not animated in any way in lights. Uh, no, no. <laughs> in but, life. Yeah, we could, we could, we could at some point. Uh, you know, it's it's a tiered house. It's on the, one of the hilly parts of Mossman near the zoo there looking over the city. So, you know, there's tiers of lights and then there's a Father Christmas right on the top of the house, that whole thing. It's very exciting. <laughs> What are their names? What are their names? Yeah. Who? Father Christmas. No, your um Rudolph, <laughs> Donna, Blitzen. <laughs> your parents in law. I've got I gotta keep it secret. I can't be letting know. It's, it's an anonymous vote. Yeah, it's anonymous. Okay. It's anonymous. I just wanted to congratulate them. Do, do you light up in any way around Christmas time, eh? It's Every like, day, Chris. Yeah, well, you know, I am that's a... your sunny sprite personality. I'm, right? I'm luminous, as you well know. Phosphorescent. We have lights on our tree. Do you? Yeah. I don't have a tree. Yeah, but but we like we like to do our lighting in private, if that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. You can do your lighting in, in private <laughs> as much as you want. Here's the real question, though. That With an inflatable Santa. This was going right. to be their last year doing the Christmas lights. This well, they're retiring. Gonna, this is gonna, but on they're, top. But they're the champions. You've got to defend yeah. your title, right? So the no. real question is, do you go again next year? You go out while you're on top. I'm too old for this shit. All right. And then you're up the top and you're... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It meant to be an interesting discussion around the turkey. Is this it for us? Have we, have we reached the pinnacle that yeah. we hop off? We'd encourage everybody to go and have a look at the Christmas lights over in Mossman, except, again, being Mossman, expect to be charged a toll <laughs> as you arrive at the uh, uh, the particular street that we're talking about. Check for lice. Hey, guys. Merry Christmas. You're on the back row. Triple M. Rock. Triple M's the back row. AH, Chris and Rose. We like to think we're at the cutting edge. And, Rose, you're able to bring us right up to date with the new phenomenon in the Christmas lights, which is inflatable Santas. And we've got a caller, Jack from Terrigal. How are you going, Jack? Hey, back rowers. How are you? Good, we're buddy. Very well, Jack. Yeah. Mate, yeah I've, a... Got a, uh, I've got a mate at Erina, and he's got an inflatable Santa, and it's the only one in his yard. It's his only Christmas decoration, and I reckon you can see it from space. Oh. <laughs> you can see it from space. What kind of uh, dimensions are we talking beyond, Huge. besides oh, 3D and 4D? It'd, it'd have to be, oh, it's in 3D, and it'd have to be, oh, I don't know, four, five, six metres tall, I suppose. It's yeah. a massive, great big thing. And it's, I guess, it's huge. And I hope it's not too personal a question, but it was inflated by a compressor, or did everyone have to get on the nozzle? What was going on? <laughs> <laughs> and where is it? For sure. It's an Erina. And, and, Erina and, on the central coast. And do you have inflatable Santa envy, Jack, as a result of this? Oh, very jealous. Oh, yeah. Very Freudian. Well, I don't need one. We can see it from our place. I'm about five kilometres away. So. Well, I hope he's got a licence. Like drones now, you need to get your inflatable Santas. You need to get a licence to have them that size. <laughs> Thanks for your call, Jack. Have a nice Christmas. You too, man. Oh, you too, Jack. Merry Christmas, Jack. Bye. We'll be back in a moment. Triple M's the back row. <sighs> Triple M's the back row. H. Chris and Rose. I tell you what, we've had Freddie Mercury and David Bowie this this hour. We're trying to cheer people up, aren't and we? And Eddie Vedder. <laughs> well, we've had Eddie Vedder. <laughs> I wish he'd come and do an interview someday. Now, look, uh, we're talking about Christmas presents and gifts. One gift that the Sydney Society seems to be getting at the moment, maybe unrequested, is a whole bunch of bikes lying all around footpaths, up trees and down creeks. Mm. 
Tell us about it, AH. Yeah, so look, you might have seen a lot of them on the streets lately. Sort of, yeah, mostly in the Sydney and the and the surrounding suburbs, as you said. Uh, red and yellow bikes. So they're O Bike and Ready Bike are the brands. And basically, what they are, so it's a bike sharing service. So it's kind of like Uber for bikes, without any workers' rights being threatened. Uh, and they have, sorry, I can't help myself. And they have, uh, they have GPS on them. So instead of returning them to a particular spot, you can just leave them anywhere on the street. Right. And uh, Look, in terms of the bikes themselves, I'm kind of indifferent, but I do have this overwhelming fascination about the topic more broadly because it turns out people hate them. Sure. They absolutely hate them. And I I don't get it. Like, I feel like I missed a memo. Like, I don't know why we hate the bikes. They're getting trashed. People are abandoning them in really aggressive and mean ways. Like you said, up trees, top of street signs, hanging off bridges. There's uh, an Instagram account being created called um, Sad O-Bikes, and it's just stuff all around the world. People have dumped these bikes in the front yard of the director of the company's house. Uh, and, like, you know, I... I sort of figured, like, in terms of the hatred, you'd have the sort of, you know, people who are like, Clover Moore, your bike lanes suck kind of thing, you know, let's drive cars, um, who hold these opinions. But, the, boys, um, this might come as a bit of a surprise to you, but I'm a little bit of a lefty. <laughs> really? Hang on. Yeah. There's, there's something under my Christmas I, tree I wasn't expecting. Wow. Uh, look, all I'm saying is that the blood of the rich will flow through the streets when the revolution <laughs> comes and the proletariat will feast on the flesh of uh, landlords. Merry it's Christmas all... to everyone and their families. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm hungry all of a sudden. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> but, so, uh, but the thing is, even my like lefty bike-loving friends would marry climate policy if they could even they hate them and they're reveling in it and they're sharing you know articles about these the way they're being trashed and stuff and I just I don't know the reason and it's driving me crazy like I I missed a memo I'm not on it uh, and I just I need to know why do we hate the bikes well this is news to me because the the area that I live in uh People embrace the bikes. Maybe really? maybe it's my suburb, but there's a lot of people using the bikes responsibly. And I haven't <laughs> seen one broken bike yet. Okay, so there's there's a clear delineation here, and it's not along political lines. It's around you live on a flat in a flat suburb. Ah, uh, I do. Yes, the people who are up in arms clearly ah. live in hilly suburbs. Ah. But it's not just that they're leaving them. It's that they anyway. Look, I just I, I need to know if you have any opinions. Do you hate the bikes? Do you love the bikes? Has someone you know whispered in your ear and passed the intel on to you? One triple three five three. Please help me out. Why do we hate the bikes? Triple M's the back row. On Triple M, three guys brought together by the game, but then divided by the colour of their jerseys. The back row on Triple M. Welcome to Triple M's the back row with AH, Chris and Rose. We're talking about the deal with all these bikes that are left lying around Sydney. Zach Mm. from Concord has called in. How are you feeling about the bike situation, Zach? Oh, mate, they're the worst. I absolutely hate them. Why, Zach? Why Why do you hate the bikes, Zach? Oh, just why? Why should someone make money off people needing to hire bikes? Right? What's no. wrong with people buying their own bikes? I think they're free, aren't they? You, you don't own a bike shop by any chance, do you? Zach? <laughs> no. Oh, they're not free. Producer the, Felix is the, telling me. The thing that drives me. No, you got to. You got to download the app and pay for them. It's yeah. Dumb. yeah, someone isn't just leaving bikes around the city with goodwill. Oh, they right. want to make I'm money. But sure, it's cheaper than buying a bike. And if you don't have somewhere for a bike, if you're yeah. in a, you know, or if you have to do a high speed chase, like follow that car, but you don't have a mm. taxi handy or you know anything to hijack with. Yeah, producer Felix here. It's like two bucks an hour. It's so cheap. Who's bad, bike riding for an hour? Do, do you own a bike app company, Felix? <laughs> Look, <laughs> it's an investment I would think about. Now, now, Zach, if the government stepped up and provided this service for free, would your attitude change? Absolutely. Well, Gladys Berejiklian, I hope you're listening. 
But they never provide anything for free. I agree. Uh, That's true. That's how they get you. We hope you have a fantastic Christmas, Zach. You too, guys. Yeah, Thanks, Zach. Safe riding. Hope Santa gives you a bike. Triple M's the back row. Triple M's the back row with AH, Chris and Rose. And we are beyond excited. Triple M is rocking the ashes all summer. And we have one of the strongest members of the Triple M commentary team, the great Kerry O'Keefe. It's Chris Gale here. Kerry, how are you going? I'm well, Chris. Merry Christmas to you all. Merry Christmas to you as Merry well. Merry Christmas to you. I must say, like, I think because people sort of are listeners at home and everything, I think kind of assume that we all know each other. But uh, we're actually kept in a cage and not allowed to interact with anyone else. So I'm really <laughs> excited to get to talk to you, Kerry. Oh, as am I. <laughs> now, Kerry, Australia's already up 3-0 in the series. And the last test was a comprehensive victory for the Australians at the Wacker. And it's the last ever test at the Wacker. Did you run the quarantine gauntlet? And put a bit of the pitch in your baggage as you headed back to Sydney. No, I'm not. I'm not a particular fan of the Wacker. I've got to say, uh, I played eight Sheffield Shield matches there, zero and eight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, most ended in three days. We used to book a day on Rottenness for the fourth day. So but the then... fact that we're leaving the Wacker is of no no great sadness to me. I've got to right. say. Did you do a little yeah. tour of the Perth Stadium? Um, no, I didn't get inside the cray pot, but uh, <laughs> it, it was looming large on the horizon. Yeah, uh, looks good. Yeah, um, and lots of flashing psychedelic lights and all that, and a little bit of sport being played. But uh, yeah, look, I'm more pati- uh, I'm more worried about the pitch at the clay pot, uh, the cray pot, you know, and uh, <laughs> uh, bet, rather than the food. It'll, it'll but, be a drop-in situation. No, will it? Uh, no uncovered wet yeah. patches there. Oh, no. We've all been there, am I right, ladies? Yeah. Sorry, well, sorry. I'm, yeah, that's okay. I'm a cricket nuffy, so I'm only concerned with the 22 yards. All, all the other things are of no consequence to me. Mm. But um, And that's the question mark about the cray pot. <laughs> what, what, what are we learning from the series, Kerry? The traditional cricket superpowers, Australians, of course, India, England, all seem to be fine at home but struggle to win on the road, and that's happened again here. What do you think that's about? It's almost a philosophy worldwide, isn't it? You win at home and you lose away. Mm. I don't quite get it, but that's the way it goes. I mean, Australia looked inept against Bangladesh in in Bangladesh. They lost in India. They were comprehensively beaten in Sri Lanka. Yet they come back here, flat tracks, fast bowling bullies, you know, hello, winning again. <laughs> I, I was reading a, a really interesting book on sleep recently, and there was an idea that uh, if you're going to bet on a team, if it's East Coast versus West Coast, vote on West Coast because if it's a home game, because like their circadian rhythms are more in line with or something like that. So it might be time zone or climate or or just not being as good, the eh? Heat, maybe. Mm. And oh, mo- I think the fact we've got Steve Smith and the others haven't. Yeah, yes. well, that's, that's a good that. sign. Though, though Warney's suggesting he's not quite up to Sir Viv's standards, Sir Vivian Richards yet. How do you feel on next best of Bradman, Kerry? Oh, well, I, I bowled a Viv Richards and I thought he was vulnerable to leg break. <laughs> not mine, sadly. <laughs> 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 but I wouldn't want to bowl to Steve Smith. So I, that Barom, and I've bowled him a couple of times in the nets, and he could have played me with a flute. So, um, <laughs> Jumping I ahead. got Viv Richards out a couple of times. So I'm a little bit leaning towards Steve no. Smudger Smith. There you go. Good patriot, patriotic answer, I think, Kerry. Now, looking yes. forward to the Boxing Day test. Now, there's been a, a 
bit of a family emergency and Tim Payne situation, so he hasn't joined the team yet. If he wasn't to play, do you bring in Hanscom or does Bancroft put on the wicket-keeping gloves? Look, I, I don't know what they're saying. They, they really do have a close-knit team now. They don't want to go too far outside the chosen 11. I think Tim Payne will play. So, um, and, and I, I don't know whether they'd, they'd bring in another specialist wicket-keeper just to fill. So I guess Bancroft would be an option. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think um, Tim Payne will take his place on Boxing Day. Now, can we dwell on your Ashes career just a little bit, if, if that's okay? One of your most famous moments against England was uh, donning the pads to open up in the second innings in the centenary test after Rick McCosker had broken his jaw. How frighteningly fast was the attack of uh, Bob Willis, Chris Old and John Lever? Oh, well, yeah. At least 170k, I think. You know, <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah. um, I can see that. Whatever. Look, Rick said he had a broken jaw, but you know, like I never saw any X-rays. <laughs> 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 but he turned up with his head swathed in bandages, so you know he conned everybody, <laughs> yeah. and, and they pushed me out to open. People say, oh, "What? How brave!" I mean, they. They had a machete and a balaclava, and Greek Chapel said, get out there. So, Sounds like it was so really I, tight I team did. culture. Uh, yes. And, and look, it, 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 it's funny, you know, like a bit like Graham Langlands. He, he had the most distinguished uh, rugby league career that he's known as uh, for his white boots wearing in the 75 grand final. And mm. I played 24 inconsequential tests as a leg spinner. And <laughs> oh, you're the bloke that opened the bat. <laughs> <laughs> but you do hold a bowling record, don't you? You have the highest percentage of batsmen out court. Does that say something about you? 80, 83%. Wow. You know, given, wow. Given that I was aiming to hit the top of off every ball, that's an epic fail, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> if 83% of your victims were caught. But, uh, yeah. But, no, look, uh, the centenary test was uh, a big moment for me because, I mean, it was uh, 100 years of test cricket between the two countries. And when we ran off, Venezuela having sort of uh, shared man of the match honours with me with 12 wickets. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The margin was the same as 100 years before, which was very eerie. 45 runs. It's uncanny, isn't it? Oh, that's crazy. It is. We ran into the rooms and somebody said it's the same margin as 100 years before. And I knew my teammates. They wouldn't know what that margin was. You know, so I had to inform them that it was 45 runs. But, uh, yeah, that was spooky because that was one of the best five days of my life because I'm a bit of a cricket nuffy and I went to every function through that period to meet former players. You've got to live it while you can live it, Kerry. Now, look, um, you've been so good of your time this morning, but we are a rugby league show, so just just in wrap-up, Joel Thompson leaving your beloved Dragons, good thing or bad thing? Gutted. Yeah, yeah, me too. So. Me oh, too. I'm, I'm an Illawarra gutted. girl and I'm devastated by oh, it, Kerry. Look, Kerry, but thank to, to go to the dark side as well. I mean, no, no. Yeah, there's Roy and the human face of bowel cancer, the Manly Ringer Seagulls. <laughs> <laughs> Kerry, thanks so much for your time today. Good luck with the call for the final two tests and Merry Christmas to you and your family.
And to you, Back Row. Follow oh. me. Okay. Thanks very much. We'll be back Bye. soon on the Back Row Triple M. Welcome back to the Triple M's The Back Row. It's quite unusual to keep having to say welcome back to the Back Row, and it's the last time we're saying it. So, yeah. you know, yeah. you know savour it, guys. Back, sh- back Row ever. You're with AH, Chris and Rose, and in this final break, we should also say with producer Felix. Yeah, we love you, Felix. It is that. I mean, time, I don't. Is it that time of year? I'm going into the studio, of course, in a couple of days' time to record my Christmas message. You guys don't get the opportunity, like me and the Queen do, to actually um, oh, provide that. But I thought you were going to say you were going to record your Christmas album. I got really excited there for a second. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to do a duet with Mariah Carey. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah, the royalties will just keep rolling in. But here's a platform, Rose. Have you got a Christmas message for the listeners? Oh, look, I, I mean, my personal gift this year has been our producer, Felix. He's, mm. he's helped us out on this first year in radio for me uh, exponentially. He's taught me everything I know. So you're the greatest gift I've had this year, Felix. You're my Christmas present. Meanwhile, I'll give you a ding for that. <laughs> oh, thank you, Felix. I'm going to miss the ding. Meanwhile, I've, uh, I've been doing this for eight years, and I think you've just dumbed me down. <laughs> he's cramping his I re- style. I resent it greatly. Hey, H, what do you uh, want to reflect on as we head to Christmas 2017? Look, to be honest, I think you can't go past the classic messages because they're not cliched. They're, they're absolute, they make sense. You know, look after each other, um, be kind, you know, be happy, peace on earth. Remember double demerits. Um, and uh, look, I, I, I learnt, uh, if I can make a very sort of Kaylee sign-off, I learnt recently that in the uh, Irish language, the word for Santa or Father Christmas is uh, Daddy Nanolog, which translates to Christmas Daddy. So I hope to everyone out there, you manage to find your Christmas Daddy um, just in time. I have a very good friend of mine. Her name is Nolik. I assume that's not Irish for the Gaelic for daddy, is it? Her name. Yeah, no, her no, name no. Is so, so daddy is 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 daddy. It's but, the Christmas um, bit, right? Well, Nolik is typically. <laughs> um, it's Christmas. <laughs> Nolik is typically Noel, like it's a man's name, and because uh, you know, and that Noel Noel ah, Christmas. Chris Gale, what are your Christmas memories thoughts? Well, I think we should um, very much thank producer Felix for his contributions, and yeah. uh, Jamie and Jackie at Triple M for uh, you know Putting rolling the dice and supporting us over the year and giving us a chance to come back and um, open the Christmas cracker. Wendell Sailor for that one time we are. Uh, got to interview him for 37 seconds. That was, that was an honour. I, I love the fact that we've uh, had some tremendous callers over the year and we've even had a bit of a shout out today from Trishy and Maya who are first time listeners. Oh. And Maya well, says... Sorry to disappoint, we're heading off. She's getting ready to go to high school and she's going to take some lessons from this show. She said she's a huge AH and Chris fan, Rose not so much. Mm. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, from a personal point of view, I, I want to wish Maluka, uh, which is sailing to Hobart with Sean Langman, all the best. It's an 86-year-old boat and was designed by my grandfather. <gasps> oh. So personal interest because it's the ultimate boxing day, isn't it? You know, you've got the cricket into the sailing, into the NBA, into the NFL. It's a sporting, a sport, a sports fan's dream boxing day. In my house, it's a war between the rest of the family and my father because every time we go to an ad break in the cricket, he switches over to the, to the racing, the sailing, and I'm like, Dad, get back to the cricket. That's, that's another fight just like the backyard oh. cricket games, isn't it? Every year. Uh, from a personal point of view, I'm heading out now to the Collector Hotel at Parramatta this afternoon. Oh, nice. Because they, you can take after your... After the mimosas with that's, us. That, that's correct, after a farewell drink. Because you can take the doggy there for a doggy beer, a puppuccino, puppuccino <laughs> or between the hours of 2pm and 6pm, it's yappy hour. Is there a doggy breathalyzer? <laughs> there, there, nothing says Christmas to me like the concept of dogs having a drink. Yeah, get them on an O-bike, they can ride the bike home. <laughs> Be sweet. How do they feel about them? And you know, you can always. The other great thing about the dogs is they can be always be in the outfield for the cricket. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, fielding balls and all that sort of thing. So I think it simply says 
Thanks very much for the year, guys. We uh, hope to see and uh, be in contact with you next year on Triple M. Oh, yes. Wishing everyone a very, very Merry Christmas. You have been on Triple M's The Back Row with AH, Chris and Rose. Oh, that was perfectly timed. Perfect Perfect timeout. (laughs) 